Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Hey, help me welcome my internet audience. What's up, y'all? Thanks for joining us. You're awesome. Hey, before you sit down, tell three people around you, you're looking super fine. Tell them you're looking super fine. You're looking super fine. You look real good. Internet audience, you look good too. I see you out there. So hey, my name is, uh, is Nick. I'm uh, the next generation pastor here at, uh, at Meadowbrook Church. And it's, uh, thank you. It's my honor and privilege to, uh, to serve those uh, babies through young adults here. And um, it's a lot of fun. And Pastor Tim sends his greeting and his love to all of you. Anybody love their lead pastor here? Anybody love him? He's my hero. And uh, I just want to encourage you. We are wrapping up the All in the Family series this Sunday. You don't want to miss this one. I mean, it's going to be real good. Tell somebody it's going to be good. Tell somebody it's going to be real good. So make sure to be here this Sunday for the, for the conclusion of All in the Family. And speaking of family, uh, mine has grown a little bit. I think we have a picture up there. So uh, that's my, my beautiful wife, Emily. And uh, we've been married for almost five years. I know. It feels like five minutes underwater. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's great. That's a cheesy joke, but it works every time. So uh, my wife is awesome. My wife, Emily, that's my seven-month-old daughter, Ella, and she is adorable, just the light of our life and full of surprises, seven months old, uh, full of surprises, and usually the surprises look a lot like this right here. I have a surprise for you. It's poop. That's, that's, that's our life right now, a lot of surprises. That's is what it is, but marriage is awesome, and it's a lot of fun, but um, I kind of have a question for you. It's rhetorical. You can answer if you want. I'm going to answer it for you. Um, is a great marriage possible? Yes. Yes, it is. That's good. A great marriage is possible 100% emphatically. I believe it because, honestly, I have one. A great marriage is possible, but unfortunately, it's not probable. A great marriage is possible, absolutely, but not probable. Because statistics show, no matter who you are, race, ethnicity, religion, Christian, non-Christian, generally speaking, statistics show that 50% of marriages fail. Flip of a coin odds. 50-50, heads or tails. And I just want you to know tonight, you deserve more than that. You're worth more than a flip of a coin odds. For the marriage you have, and if you're single in here, for the marriage that you'll have one day, those odds should not be good enough for you because they're not good enough for me. If someone gave you 50-50 odds, if you were investing money with them, and they said, hey, just so you know, we got a 50% shot that all your money is going to be gone. <laughs> Would you invest with that person? No. If you want an aircraft and you heard the pilot come over and say, oh, good morning. Just want everyone to know we have a 50% chance of crashing, burning, and all dying together in flames. Let's do this thing. You going to stay on that plane? No. 
It's crazy in America that to get a driver's license, you have to pass both a road test and a written test. To get a marriage license, you have to be able to sign your name and pay $30 and not even be sober while you're doing it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, okay? I don't know. What happens in Vegas stays in, ba- in Vegas. So great marriage is possible, but not probable. And simply tonight, I have one goal. I want to help you beat the odds. I want to help you beat the odds because you're worth it. Your future marriage is worth it if you don't have one now. The marriage you're in right now is worth it. The example you'll set for your children and your grandchildren, it's worth it. Tell somebody it's worth it. It's worth it to beat the odds. And I know I've been married. I've been alive uh, less than a lot of you have been married, okay? So I know that. So who cares what I have to say about it? Let's say what God's word has to say about it, okay? Because if, if age is the requirement, he's the ancient of days, all right? So just so you know. And, and also I know that, uh, that there can be some, some harsh feelings when we talk about marriage and relationships. I want you to know this is a guilt-free zone. This is not a house of condemnation. No matter where you are, no matter how far from God you might feel, no matter if you've done singleness well or not, marriage well or not, I want you to know that there's grace for you today. And I know that there's some, there honestly is some depression around this topic, so let's start with a very depressing verse. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah is lamenting. He is groaning. He's, he's complaining to God about how hard his life has been right now. So he's lamenting. He says, verse 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering. Wandering. That sounds a lot like singleness, doesn't it? Wandering. Scoping and hoping. <laughs> yeah. Flirting to convert. You're just, you're just looking. You're just, you're just wandering from person to person, place to place, trying to find Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering. The bitterness. There's marriage. <laughs> it can be. Marriage, there's, there's conflict and maybe there's some unforgiveness. He says, I remember the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. But I got good news. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Why in the world should he hope? Because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Say never. 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 The Lord's compassions have never failed, and they're not going to start for you today. Never fail. So why should we have hope? Because the Lord's compassions will never fail. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Whether you've been divorced, going through a divorce, whether your marriage is not all you've wanted it to be, whether you're single and you've been single for a while, or you haven't done singleness the way you've wanted to do it, no matter where you are, I want you to know that God's mercies are new for you right now, in this moment, and all you have to do is receive it. That's it. All you have to do is say, God... I receive it. This is not a house of condemnation. There's grace for you. I just want to help you beat the odds. Can I help you beat the odds today? All right, let's let's, let's do this thing together. So how do we beat the odds? Well, let's go with Jesus. Let's go with some red letters. I think that's a great place to start. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. uh, A verse probably a lot of you know. It says this, Seek 
the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek God first. A God first life. And live righteously. And then what? And he will give you everything you need. That's a good verse right there. That makes it pretty simple. I'm a simple guy. I don't have such a good brain. All right? I'm a simple dude. I love this verse. I love when God makes it easy. Because I want you to know he's not trying to hide a great life from you. He's trying to make it easy for you. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. He's saying, hey, just seek God first. Put God first and live righteously in the what? Then you're going to get everything you need. Because you're going to be in line with his will for your life. Seek God. That's how we do it. To beat the odds, you got to seek God. you got to seek God. God. And that word seek uh, in, in, in the Greek actually has the connotation to seek with the intention to find. You ever lost your keys and been late to something? You're a crazy person trying to find those keys. You're flipping couch cushions. You're kicking the cat. I mean, you're just, you're just, try, you're just trying to find your keys. Same connotation because you're, you're trying to find something to go somewhere. You gotta seek God to get to the life that He wants you to live. Seek with the intention of finding. You gotta seek God first. And let me give some advice to the single people here, because we're not gonna leave you out, single people. Where are my single people at? Single people, single people, look around, look around. You wanted to know. You wanted to know. Yeah. You're welcome. And then, you know, when you get married, you can name your first son Nick, because I hooked you up on this day. God used me to bless your life. (laughs) Single people. Let me just give give you some advice, and you'll get some throughout this message. Stop looking for the one. You complete me. (laughs) You had me at hello. (laughs) Nobody can complete you. And you know this to be true because you can't complete anybody. Let's be real. You know how much of a wreck you are that nobody else really actually knows about. Can we be real in church tonight? Is that okay with everybody? You can't complete anybody else, so how in the world can somebody else complete you? You put two sinful people together, guess what you got? A mess. That's what you got. Don't look for the one. No one can complete you, but look for the one. The one who made you, paid for you, bought you, purchased you, has a plan and a purpose for your life, loves you more than you love you. Only a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that's the only way that you can be completed. Amen? That's it. So stop looking. Yeah, that's good. You can give God praise for that. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah. So here's the big principle of this section, all right? We're going to do some, you know, some stuff when it comes up on the screen. Take some notes. I encourage it. God is my one. Everybody say one. One. And my spouse is my two. Everybody say two. So God is my one. We're just going to keep it simple. Seek God first. That's it. God is my one, and my spouse is my two. So don't seek your spouse as your one because they can't save you. They can't complete you, and they're going to let you down one day. They're going to let you. Oh, yeah, I hear it over there. I'll I'll go over here. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. (laughs) They're going to let you down one day. They are. Because they're a sinful human being just like you are. They're not perfect. They can't save you. Don't seek your spouse as your one. Seek God first. 
spouse is your two. Because if you seek your spouse to save you, to get it, to get it right all the time, it's not going to work out. Because what you idolize, one day you'll demonize. If you seek your spouse as God and put that, them in that place, when they get it wrong, you idolize them. When they fall, and they always will, because we're people, you'll demonize them. Guys, if you're dating uh, a girl and you're like, man, she's so great, and she's so, she's so organized, and she's so structured. Ten years later, she's a control freak. Don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. You're not my mom. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't amen too loud, everybody. Don't amen. Or, you know, ladies, you're dating a guy. He's so laid back. He's so chill. He's go with the flow. Ten years later, get off the couch, you bum. Go get a job and do something with your life. Put down the Xbox controller. We can't live on love. Go make some money. (laughs) What you idolize, you'll one day demonize. So if you're married, very practically, what this principle, God is my one and my spouse is my two, this is what it means for you. Here's the commitment you can make in marriage. Or as a single person, sorry. I will seek the one as I prepare for my two. If you're single, that's all. this is going to be so good for the single people. I will seek the one as I prepare for my two. Just become the kind of person that you'd want to marry. Become the kind of person you want to attract. Become attractive to that kind of person. If you're single, here's a question you should ask yourself. I'm not asking it. You can ask it to yourself. Am I the person who I'm looking for is looking for? Am I the person who I'm looking for is looking for? And honestly, I was not. In college, man, I was, I was promiscuous, and I would party, and I had a, you know, kind of a life motto. I'd do what I want, when I want, with who I want. And it didn't work out so well. And I was kind of at the bottom. And then I, uh, I got saved in college. God found me at the deepest, darkest moment of my life and saved me. I've been grateful ever since. And so what I did is I took a, a year off of dating. And we can call it a dating fast to make it real spiritual. I fasted from dating. <laughs> right? That's what we do. We use weird names for stuff. I took a, I took a year off dating just to get my, get, get my life right just to kind of reprogram and detox. And, and I started uh, going to church, making church a priority. I drive home from Tampa about an hour south every Sunday to go to a church that I really felt connected and I really liked, much like this one. And I started, uh, I got in a Bible study, a small group. And I started serving in a youth ministry. And I got plugged into that church. And that's where I met my wife <laughs> in church. I'm telling you, this is the place to meet them, okay? <laughs> and at that moment, uh, I, so I had been, you know, kind of detoxing from that lifestyle and pursuing God. And that's when I met the love of my life. And God put her right there. And she saw me. I had a lip ring. Yeah. And long hair. And I was a bad boy. And she said, I like the bad boys. And little did she know, I'm a pastor now. So it didn't, it didn't work out so well for her with the bad boy thing. But... Become the kind of person you want to marry. Am I the person who I'm looking for is looking for? 
It's a great question that all you single people, you should ask yourself. Here's another little tip for the single people. This is going to change your life right here. If you don't get anything else, this is, this is gold. Don't choose your two, your spouse, based on their potential, what they could be one day. Choose your two, your spouse, based on their patterns right now. Don't choose them based on what they could be one day in the future, what you hope for. Choose your two based on what you see in their life right now. But Pastor Nick, he's got so much potential. I'm sure he does. He also has a porn addiction. And he, he's, flunked, he's flunked out of school and he quits every job he has. I'm sure he has potential. Absolutely he does. But his patterns have the potential to derail your marriage. But Pastor Nick, she's so great. She has so much potential. Absolutely she does. But she drinks too much. She has bad spending habits and treats everyone like garbage. Like she's superior. She has potential, absolutely. But her patterns have the potential to destroy your future marriage. Don't choose your two based on their potential. Choose your two based on their patterns. That's going to help some single people. It's real quiet right now. People are like, I got to go break up with somebody. You can do, your, you do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. So if you're married, where my married people at? Yeah. Marriage is awesome. I love it, man. Single people, trying to help you out. We're going to do All right, so if you're married, this is what this principle, God is my one and my spouse is my two. This is what it means for you. I will seek the one with my two. Come on, girl. Yeah. I will seek the one with my two. And let me say this. If the only time you're seeking God is when somebody's up here with a microphone and you're not doing it in any other arena of your life together, then possibly you might be spiritually malnourished. And if you do that, if the only time that you and your spouse or you by yourself encounter the word of God, or anything of God, is when you're at church, you're probably keeping yourself in that 50-50 pile. And like we said before, I want to I help you beat the odds. Because you're worth more than a flip of a coin. Your marriage is worth more than that. Your spouse is worth more than that. Your kids and your grandkids are worth more than a 50-50 shot. Seeking God together is a game changer. Do you want to beat the odds tonight? All right, this is super practical. And what I love about it is that there's three things that the Harvard Business Review confirmed works to beat the odds. I'm talking about like Harvard. Like they learn real good. They got real good brain. They better than your brain. Like they real smart. And what I love about this, just, just side note, I love when science and sociology and psychology and academia, I love when they say what God has been saying for thousands of years. I love when they catch up. So it's really fun. So the Harvard Business Review, check this out. It's on the screen for you. A Harvard study, is it up? There we go. A Harvard study revealed that only one, this is crazy, one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they just did three simple things on a regular basis. That takes your odds of divorce from a 50% chance of divorce to a 
50% chance of divorce. Would anyone like those odds? Yeah. I know I would. About 50%. That's just about right. That's just about right. I'm just saying. Statistics show. So here we go. I'm going to give you the three simple things. And then it's up to you. Is your marriage worth it? I can't choose that for you. Only you can. Number one, Harvard Business Review confirmed this. Pray together. And what's crazy is none of these are going to be new for you. I know we have a lot of seasoned Christians in here. You could probably preach this way better than I could. But all these things, they're, they're very simple. But are you doing it? Because knowledge is good, but application is what counts. So number one, pray together. Everyone say pray together. Pray together. And we live in a culture in a day and age that says essentially that Christians, it's good. You can feed people and help people and whatever. But keep that Bible, Jesus, prayer stuff, keep that to yourself. Your faith is personal, yes, but it's not supposed to be private. Share it. Go public. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus, the great commission, he said, hey, go, tell everybody about me. Baptize them, show them how to follow me, and do it over and over and over and over again. Our faith is personal, but not private. A couple that prays together stays together. Pray together. James 5, 16 says this about prayer. Therefore, confess your sins, your failures, your struggles, your prayer requests, what's really going on in your heart of hearts, in your very most soul. It says confess your sins to each other. Everyone say each other. So that's another person. Confess it to somebody. And then pray for, oh, each other. Everyone say each other. So confess your sins to each other and then pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, if, if you're married, I'm going to say this is your spouse. Does your spouse know what's going on? Really? Do they know what's going on in your heart? Do they know what's going on in your soul? Do they know those things? If you're married, share those things. Pray for each other so that you'll be healed. And if you're single, this is not the person you're dating. This is your small group. These are people that can come along, that you can share what's really going on, and you can pray together, pray for each other. And I truly believe, especially in my generation, but I, I'm, I think people are just people, that while, while a lot of us aren't walking in healing from our past, why we can't step away from what happened into the future that God has for us, it's because we're not opening up and we're not honest. James says clearly, share what's really going on. Share what happened. Share what you did. Pray for each other so that you'll be healed. You got to get real to get healed. You have to get real to get healed. If you, wanna, if you want healing, get real with somebody. If you're married, that's your spouse. If you're single, that's your small group. And I'm going to tell you, it might get awkward at first. Because praying together is kind of uncomfortable. I'm a pastor. I'm still like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Can I be real with you? Like, we sit down in, at a meal, and I'm like, God, thanks for this food. Resurrect this meatloaf to be good, you know, and then, and that's a great place to start, to start at meals. If you don't know where to start, because I know that praying together can be weird, 
I know. Just grab your husband and your wife's hand. God, thank you for this food. Pray that you help my wife tomorrow as she goes into that big meeting. Give her the words to say. Encourage her heart. Let her know that she's the right person for this day and that job. In Jesus' name, amen. Just start there. Just start there. It can be weird at first, but just start there. And, and let me just say again, if you're not married, don't pray alone with the person you're dating. Because there's a, a spiritual connection that happens through prayer. And it will elevate your spiritual lives together. And then your physical life will want to go where that is, and it simply cannot. It can't do that and honor God. It can't. So if you're single, do not pray alone together. It's been known to lead to speaking in tongues, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Church jokes gone wild, everybody. But hey, if you're married, go home. Put on some Marvin Gaye, lay in bed, and just start praying for each other. You're welcome. All right? So if, if we want to beat the odds and go from a 50% chance of failure in marriage to a .0008% chance, we've got to pray together. Number two, very simply, discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible together. And uh, let me give you a little insight into uh, my wife and, and I's personal Bible study. Uh, we do it in the mornings. Uh, not every morning. We don't get it perfect. We're, we're about four to five out of seven days a week, just to be real. Uh, we're, you know, trying to get better. And we don't read the same Bible reading plan, okay? So it's not like we have a devotional together. And we, we, we've tried, and it just doesn't work. I don't like to be told what to do. So I'm like, I'm going to go do my own thing, and she does her own thing. And it works for us. And, 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 and we actually, like, get mad at each other because, like, we get excited about what we're reading. And then we're, like, underlined. I'm like, babe, check this out. And she's like, no, I don't want to hear about Joseph. I'm reading about Jesus. Shut up. And I'm like, okay, sorry, geez. And so we'll, like, we'll, yeah, it's fun. But here, and let, me, let, me, let me give you, this is going to help you. This is going to give you a sigh of relief today. This is our goal. So my goal and her goal every day is just to read one chapter. <gasps> one chapter. Sometimes that's like two paragraphs or three paragraphs. One chapter of the Bible is better than none at all. It's better than none at all. So we just read, and usually it ends up being more, but the goal, so we don't make it religious, so we don't make it, we have to spend an hour with God every day because let's be real, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. One chapter. And that's been great for us. It's been very freeing. It's been very helpful. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says this. These commandments, which is the word of God, the Bible, that I give you today. And I don't know why this word today jumped out at me. But I want you to know, you can hear from God today, whatever day that is. It doesn't have to be Wednesday or Sunday. It can be Tuesday. It can be Thursday. It can be Friday. It can be Saturday. You can hear from God for yourself today. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. You can go to God for yourself. It's the kind of God we serve that says, just come to me. Just come to me. So that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. And ladies, if he won't talk to you about Jesus, one day he won't talk to your kids about him either. 
If he won't talk to you about Jesus now, one day your kids might never hear. Okay, let's move on. It's awkward. Okay, so impress them on your children. Talk about the Bible. Talk about them when you sit at home, at the dinner table, on the couch, and when you walk along the road, podcast in the car, worship in the car. It's never been easier to connect with God on the go. Never been. When you lie down, so at night, and when you get up in the morning, I'm gathering all the time. Just make Bible reading, Bible discussion, just a part of your everyday life. Just just make it, don't make it a religious thing. Just make it a part of your ongoing everyday discussion with your spouse. Or if you're single, just by yourself or with your small group. And how my wife and I do it, we text each other just th- throughout the day, praying for you. Here's a good verse or here's a good message I heard. And just make it a part of who you are and what you do. And I'm going to give you a resource that's really helping me. So if you go to YouTube, I think we have the slide. If you go to YouTube and type in the Bible Project. Write this down. That's good. YouTube, The Bible Project. These are videos that really bring the Bible to life in a practical, beautifully illustrated way. And they've broken down every single book in the Bible into a video. It's like five to ten minutes. And it, it really brings the Bible to life in a way. Honestly, I have my master's in theological studies. These These YouTube videos are helping me enjoy my Bible more. It's just helpful. It's helpful. Today, I started a new book in the Bible. I I started reading Colossians today. Before I started reading, I watched the seven-minute video on Colossians. Just to know, okay, what's going on, the context, who's writing it, who's doing what, where they are, how's the persecution going on. Just kind of gives you a background And I'm telling you, if you get nothing else, that's going to really, really help you enjoy the Bible. The Bible Project. So we got to pray together, discuss the Bible together. And if you want to go from a 50-50 flip of a coin odds of divorce to a .0008% chance. Number three, last one. Got to attend church together. Attend church together. Together. I know a lot of you might be thinking, Nick, you can move on. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. Go ahead. Go ahead. You did it. You did it. You're here. We're already here. I know. You guys are awesome. But I'm saying, like, be here. Attend church together. Make it a priority on your schedule. If you're not vomiting at that very moment or if your children is not super sick, you're here. Nothing's more important. Attend church together. Make church attendance a priority. And like I said, you would expect a pastor to say this, but not the Harvard Business Review. They don't care about church attendance, but they know it works. They're saying what God's been saying for thousands of years. Like our lead pastor says, church days affect the rest of your days. Church days affect the rest of your days. And as Christians in here today, and if you're not a Christian, just so you know, You don't have to do any of this stuff. You don't. You get a pass. If you want to give it a shot, I think you'll like it. But as Christians, you and I have the incredible opportunity to follow Jesus and his example. This is what he did in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, Jesus traveled to Nazareth, the town where he grew up. On the Sabbath day, their church day, he went to the synagogue, which was their church, 
as he what? As he what? Always did. Not if I feel like it. Not if I got enough sleep. Not if it's raining. Not if no one wants to go to the beach. Always. On the calendar. And you and I as Christians have the opportunity to follow in the example of the word made flesh. And if he showed up at church, how much more do we need to make that a part of our life? And make it an always did kind of thing for us. Here's a question for single people. I told you I'm not going to leave you out. Am I where the person I'm looking for will find me? Ooh. Am I where the person I'm scoping and hoping, looking for, will find me? If you want someone who has a servant's heart, then why in the world aren't you on the dream team? If you want someone who's accountable and, and has a good Christian community, why aren't you in a small group? If you want someone who has God as their very first priority, why aren't you in church every Sunday? Am I where the person I'm looking for will find me? And here, here's the best piece of advice for single people. Become a greeter. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You get to break the ice with every single good-looking person that comes up in here. And it's not weird. It's your job. Hey, welcome to Meadowbrook. Hey, welcome to Meadowbrook. Hey, welcome to Meadowbrook. Like, I don't know. Don't make it weird, obviously, but you can break the ice with everybody. You're welcome. All right. So what would it look like? What would it look like if we took this seriously? If we prayed together in the marriage we have or in your future marriage, you prayed together, you discussed the Bible together, you made church top priority in your life, you would beat the odds. You would beat the odds. I'm tired of it, man. You're worth more than this. I'm serious. And I think someone needs to hear this tonight. You're worth more than a flip of a coin, 50-50 odds. God has better for you than that. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord builds the marriage. It's builders labor in vain. And stats prove it. I hate it, but it's true. That 50% of people out there are laboring in vain because they're trying to build a marriage with materials that cannot sustain. They're trying to build a marriage with human hands. If you allow God to build the marriage, if you allow God to form and create and sustain what only he can, you will have a marriage that beats the odds and that stands the test of time. Let God build it. 
And it breaks my heart. And I've actually, I actually cried on the way here. I'm a big sissy. I got a daughter now, and I'm just, <laughs> just thinking about the 50% of y'all that won't do this. That I could split the room in half. Not us. What would it look like if the church stepped up in this area? In one of the darkest areas of our culture is marriage. What fails like marriage? I can't think of anything. What if Christians took God at his word, stopped talking about it, and actually did it? And our marriages worked. What kind of a light could we be? What kind of children could we raise? How could that change our families and our communities? And people might say, look, I don't know about this God thing, but something's different about that group of people. I want what they have. I'm hopeless and depressed. My wife and I are just like roommates. They seem to be having fun. They seem to be enjoying life. I believe that the light is brightest in the darkest places. And what's darker than marriage in our culture? Let's be a light. I want you to beat the odds. Because you're worth it. Your spouse is worth it. Your future spouse is worth it. Your children are worth it. You're going to beat the odds. I believe it. Did y'all get anything out of this tonight? I hope so. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.